Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Good morning, Jamie. Halfway, halfway there for the weekend. We are. We are halfway. Um, and thank you, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're going to go over a lot of what happened yesterday with the indictment of former President Trump, what happened at the courthouse. The DA has spoken. The former president has spoken. The world is speaking. And we're going to get into it. At 9.05, we speak with Barry Markson. He is a KTAR host. He's also a Valley attorney. And he will talk to us. I want to talk to him about the legalities of the case, uh, how strong it is because there's conflicting opinions about this case itself, but also what happens next. And when can we expect some of these things to happen normally? There's nothing normal about this, but we're going to get into it. But I want you to hear some of what I think were the, or, of the important things that happened yesterday. Um, and uh, there are 34 felony charges. The DA said that uh, they did their due diligence. And what's fascinating about this timing about everything is very interesting. I know that there is not one thing that goes directly with the other, but yesterday after this arraignment, uh, President Trump won another part of a lawsuit against Stormy Daniels for legal fees of over $120,000. So this is what gives people, again, as lay people, um, we are stuck with emotion a lot of times because we don't have the basis in fact. We don't know how or why things work legally. And we know the legal system can be frustrating. There can be things that seem like a common sense thing to you and I. But in the legal system, it, there is it's black and white and it doesn't seem it seems to defy common sense that there's a different uh there's it, the justice system isn't always justice. And that's a frustration for many people. Is that what's coming out here? We also have to talk about a little bit later on how the world is responding to this, a strong response from El Salvador, and why would that matter? Well, when you hear the context of it, it does matter. So before I go to the former president and what he said from Mar-a-Lago later on in the afternoon, let's go to the DA with some of the things that uh, this uh, DA, his name is Alvin Bragg from New York. Um, he said he's seen, we've seen stuff like this before. This case today is one with allegations like so many of our white collar cases. Allegations that someone lied again and again to protect their interests and evade the laws to which we are all held accountable. Here's where the problem lies um, with his statements about this. He is one of the DAs around the country that has been criticized for being light on violent crime. They are not prosecuting violent crimes. They are not asking for longer sentences with violent crimes. They seem to be decriminalizing or in favor of decriminalizing violent crimes. And then you're going to be strong on this. That lends itself to the argument that this is a political hatchet job, that this is more about ideology than it is about legality. Now, that all remains to be seen. One of the things I'm going to talk to Markson about at 9.05 is um, about the strength of this, these charges and uh, his opinion on them. He's, he's the lawyer. I'm not. I look at this and I wonder what's going to happen. So let's play this out a couple of different ways before we let you hear some more of this. On one hand, what happens when not, I don't even think it's an if, but when the Trump lawyers go into this judge and they say this is absolutely ridiculous and we would like you to dismiss all charges, what if some or all of those charges get dismissed? What if this goes to court whenever it goes to court and nothing sticks? That this is viewed by jurors as as a light uh, light on legal 
ramifications, I should say, or legal strength. And it is more about the political beliefs of Alvin Bragg. What happens then? What happens in that fallout? On the other side of that, what happens if it goes the other way? What happens if they take this to trial? There is a jury trial and on at least a number of these charges, if not 100 percent of them, a jury comes back fairly quickly deliberates and comes back and says, you know what? You've been guilty of a crime. What does that mean? And because there are always going to be people on opposite sides of the street. There are people that are out there, like the people that showed up protesting the former president. If you hate him enough that you're going to roll out a banner that says Trump lies all the time, if you feel that way about him, you are never going to be convinced he's not guilty. And being deemed not guilty is never going to change your hatred for him. On the other side of this, the people that ran over and tore that banner down and are diehard Trump supporters will never believe he committed a crime, even if a jury finds him guilty. So what about the rest of us? What happens then? I think it's an interesting statement or interesting thought anyway. Um so the DA goes on to talk about Stormy Daniels and the cover-up. Mr. Trump said that he was paying Mr. Cohen for fictitious legal services in 2017 to cover up actual crime committed the prior year. So he is kind of laying out his case in the court of public opinion. Will the rancor and will the level of the um, commentary coming from the Trump campaign uh, – I shouldn't say that – the Trump team and – from the DA's office, will this push a judge to issue a gag order? How badly would the media hate it? How badly would the news networks, the cable news networks, and you know the, the networks, the alphabet networks, how badly would they hate it if there was a gag order in this case? Um, this is the interesting statement about normalizing crime. No matter who you are, we cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. He also caused others. So it is hard to back that up. And I mean this about him and others. It is hard to go into a statement like that and say, I'm a tough on crime DA. We are not going to normalize crime when you're a part of a group of people that are of the same ideology that decriminalizing violent crime is the way you lower crime rates. And this isn't just a Republican Democrat thing. There's law enforcement in these cities that are coming out and saying, A, we've got cops leaving the profession. B, crime is going through the roof because we are not seeing people prosecuting these violent crimes. This revolving door and no bail or very low bail is hurting the justice system. Now it's a white collar crime and it's a former president who you ran up for office on saying you were going to get him, you know, get him. And now you've, you say you have him. I just think it's a contradiction. That doesn't mean, again, I've said I want to see how this all plays out. I want to see how seriously these charges are to be taken because a lot of the experts who are not fans of President Trump, even from his own party, have all come out and said, you know, this is scary. This is a political attack. So here's part of the first statement uh, from the president uh, at Mar-a-Lago. So here we are now. It's where we were today in a city that was so great just four or five years ago and now we're there spend time there today as you possibly read with a local failed district attorney 
charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history. So he is doing he is. This is the playbook we knew was coming, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. This is you know, this is being billed by them and by many as nothing more than a political hatchet job. Um, The president goes on to say he was shocked. I never thought anything like this could happen in America. Never thought it could happen. And here is a complete denial. As it turns out, virtually everybody that has looked at this case, including rhinos and even hardcore Democrats, say there is no crime and that it should never have been brought. This is where the word dispassionate is supposed to come into play, meaning you look at things factually based and not how you feel. Um, You know, there was a response. I was on social media and I'm sure there's many more responses now. But someone had said I mentioned on the show yesterday. This is a yesterday was a sad day for America. I believe that to be true. No matter which side turns out to be right or if it's somewhere in the middle. Let's say one side or the other is correct. If let's say the former president's side is correct here and the DOJ is abusing its power and the Biden administration and other Democrats are doing this. And now this isn't from the Department of Justice. This is a local court, but it's the same ideology that one political side of the aisle is weaponizing the justice system because they hate the right side of the aisle. And they believe that for their political purposes, Donald Trump is a disastrous president for this country. And they're going to do everything they can to keep him out of office up to and including legal charges that are absolutely weak at best. Let's say that's right. That's horrible for America that we have turned into that kind of a banana republic. The other side of this is what if we have a former president of the United States that has coerced his reputation with his supporters to the point that he can commit 34 felonies and business dealings throughout the years in New York City, that it's black and white on paper – And when the jury sees this, they are going to say, I don't care who you are. You are guilty of a crime. That's not good for America either. This was a sad day for America. And when I posted that, I I, I said it yesterday on the show. Somebody responded to me on Twitter and said, you said yesterday was a sad day for America. Well, I think it was a sad day the day Donald Trump got elected. And I responded by saying in at least half of America and much more than half now thought it was a sad day when Joe Biden got elected. That's emotion. That's your feelings. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like Joe Biden. I don't like Hillary Clinton. I don't like Nancy Pelosi. I don't like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Those are emotions and you're entitled to them and it should factor into how you vote. The emotions of how you feel about somebody should not play into whether or not they are found guilty are not guilty of a crime. And that, I think, is the biggest part of what we are dealing with. I am very excited about our next conversation. Uh, Keisha Hodge Washington is has just been elected to the Phoenix City Council. She will be... Um, she will be sworn in very soon, and I want to talk with her about this because I used to live in this district. So the city of Phoenix is making some changes and has some challenges in front of it. I'm going to ask her how she plays a role in that and what happens next. So that conversation happens in just one moment.
The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I am very excited about this conversation. I have been or was a, a resident in District 8 for quite a long time in the city of Phoenix. And joining us now is the councilwoman-elect, uh, Keisha Hodge-Washington. Miss Washington, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, I lived, uh, and I'm looking at the map of the district, and I really, even though as long as I lived in the district, I didn't realize how big that district really is, going from 48th Street to the east, all the way out to 59th Avenue and places out to the west. So you have a big diversity in this district. What does that tell you about the district? Um, I think it's representative of the entire city of Phoenix. I mean, you have, as you mentioned, it goes all the way to 59th Avenue, so it includes portions of Levine. It includes the South Mountain area, the South Phoenix area, part of downtown. Um, it includes airport area as well as a little north of the 202 freeway. Um, it just tells me that our city continues to grow and the needs of our residents continue to be diverse in nature, and you have to be intentional in hearing from those residents. What do you think it was uh, with the people? in the district what of your messaging do you think it was that got you over the top in winning this election I think my messaging that was probably the most uh, well received was the willingness to listen to and adopt a response that was specific to those residents needs not necessarily understanding the needs of different areas was important it wasn't a one um, solution for the entirety of the district So let's talk about some of those specifics. Homelessness has become such a big spotlight in Phoenix after the judge's decision about the zone in downtown Phoenix. But it isn't just specific to that area. Even in your district, when I lived in that district, I lived around 36th Street in Thomas. There was an issue there in that area of the city as well. What does what can District 8 do or what needs to happen in your district in that just in, in that issue, in the homeless issue? Um, I think one of of the first things we need to do is realize it's not a district-specific issue. It's an issue that uh, you're seeing throughout the city, um, and it's it's highlighted or concentrated in in portions of my district as well as adjoining districts just because that's where the um, services have been centralized. So we definitely need to start focusing on a more regional approach to these issues, ensuring that all parts of the valley, all parts of the city and and all uh, parts of the valley kind of share those, share um, the responsibility. Many individuals have um, kind of set up camp in these areas because this is where they closest to services. So we need to make sure the services are spread out. In addressing those current encampments that are not permitted or that are um, you're, you're referenced in um, part a recent ruling that was issued against the city. I'm not on city council yet, but I think we do need to acknowledge that some of the, the, these encampments um, need to be in a more structured manner. It's one of the areas in which I, um, I one of the things I said during our wireless campaign is I think they need to it, we, for those that are service resistant, until we get them into um, treatment that works for them or the services that assist them, I think we need to designate where they can do so versus having them do it wherever they deem appropriate, wherever that individual deems appropriate. So that's one of the first things I think we need to do. And we need to identify um, proper resources and connections with um, adjoining city, state, and federal resources to help get these individuals into more structured housing. Joining us is Phoenix City Councilwoman-elect for District 8, Keisha Hodge Washington. Uh, One of the other big issues because of uh, Carlos Garcia's strong opinions on policing and defunding the police, that issue was big in your district race, but it's also one in the city. How does the city council's uh, 
How does it change with these new uh, additions and you and, and also and Kevin Robinson on the on the council? How does it change the look on policing? Um, I think it, I think it changes the look on policing from the standpoint of it, it's more conversational about what should or can be done to improve our uh, policing services. So uh, I think it helps us say we're looking at continuing improvement to our process, not necessarily throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, and one of the issues, at least from my perspective, has been as a Phoenix resident for 28 years, um, that there needs to be that public safety emphasis, whether it's police and fire. Both Phoenix PD and Phoenix Fire have have said they're short-staffed. The fire department has said they're short on equipment and there's not of firehouses. Is that something that needs to be a bigger budget priority for the city of Phoenix? Um, I think so. I think you'll see um, with the um, with the go bond, if that passes in November, that was actually one of the things that the that will be addressed, especially the construction of additional fire stations and providing for a few more um, staff positions are included in the trial budget. So I think the city is acknowledging those issues and is making a step towards um, rectifying those issues. Every every person, I think, that goes into office, many I shouldn't say everyone, many of them have what they call an issue that is very important to them, whether it's a signature issue or whatever it is. Is there one for you when you look at the city as a whole? Is there an issue that you think you'd like to be known for focusing on? Yes. Um, so my signature issue, actually, I think they're intertwined or maybe I'm cheating on here, but I think it deals with my signature issue is addressed in housing and economic development. And I use them together because I believe if somebody has enough resources to increase their earning capacity, it also provides more um, housing security. So those are the two issues that I would definitely I definitely want to focus on is how do we create more attainable housing? I don't want to use I don't use the word affordable housing. Attainable housing for our workforce, um, you know, our everyday members of society, and economic development. Um, some parts of my district have very um, sober and statistics, and I want to help change that. I think that's so interesting, too, because I'm looking at the district map, and again, the Arcadia area is known to be one of the most expensive parts and more um, desired parts of town, but your district covers some of the lower income areas. Um, is there a way to serve both of those at the same time and and make sure that the higher, you know, the, the ones that are going up in values continue to stay strong, and at the same time, making sure it's affordable for people in other parts of, of your district? Yes, exactly. I think that we have, for some individuals, um, the last couple of years have been very successful. We have seen the positive, they have seen the change that Phoenix um, has sustained in a very positive manner. And for others, they have felt a little left behind. And I think it's our role to ensure or help people find a pathway um, to success um, in a way that they feel like they're valued part of our society. And I, I am a believer that we have, um, as we should judge our success when the rising tide, we have many boats as we can lift during that time as possible, and helping people have their boats um, secure in a manner that they do rise when the, shit, when the tide rises. Well, Ms. Washington, I, I appreciate the conversation this morning. I hope you'll come back on the show, and I wish you the best. Thank you so much. All right, that is uh, that is Keisha Hodge Washington. She is the new um, the District uh, Eight uh, Phoenix City Councilwoman elect. She will be sworn in on the seventeenth, I believe, of April. Coming up in a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's the BQ poll question of the day. 
the Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, welcome back, Gatos. Hey, thank you, my friend. How are you? Uh, good. You didn't miss anything. Nothing happened while you were gone. <laughs> really glad I missed yesterday, to be honest with you. You know, I don't like talking about Donald Trump. I'm over this guy. I think we need to all move on. I think he's killing the party. But uh, that is my cue. All right, let's uh, hear it. That is my cue. Donald Trump pleaded guilty. We got 34 not counts guilty. of... Uh, not guilty. Uh, not guilty. Excuse me. Not guilty uh, to 34 counts of falsifying uh, business records. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your level of interest in this story? So I'm curious to know if people are really into this. It's a 10. It's huge. All right? 10 mm-hmm. is the biggest number you got. All right? How about this one? Between 9 and 7? Between 6 and 4? 3 or under? I'm a 3 and under. Okay. I don't care about him. I don't. I'm not rooting for him. I'm not rooting against him. I don't take any joy in him getting arrested. Uh, I didn't watch the coverage yesterday. I was traveling a lot, but I chose not to watch it. I don't care. I don't want him to run for president. I think he's hurt the country um, with a lot of stuff. January sixth, and with uh, telling everybody our elections are fraudulent. I just don't want to see the guy. Anymore. Are you? Are you compelled by the conversation of whether or not this is an abuse of the legal system? Not really, because I don't think uh, I think it's pretty pretty flimsy case. But I just think it goes back to I don't want this guy anywhere near the White House. It doesn't matter what he did with uh, Stormy Daniels. I just think the guy's disgusting. So does I it mean, does this help or hurt his chances in your mind of getting the presidency back? I, I think a lot of people say help, but I think it hurts them because I think a lot of Republicans are like this guy. All right, fine. We liked him for a little while, but man, he is just kryptonite and we need to move on. Every He hates everything. Can we find somebody who likes some stuff? and maybe wants to support some stuff and not just talk about himself. So I I don't think Republicans are going to rally for him in the majority. That's just me. Okay. Well, it's an interesting perspective. I love the question. And I'm glad you're back. I'll talk with you tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Gatos. The BQ poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. You can go to KTAR.com. You can vote and you can see how other people have voted as well. Coming up just after nine o'clock, Barry Markson's going to join me. He's a Valley attorney and a KTAR host. We're going to talk about this very topic from a lawyer's perspective. Strength of the case. What happens next? All of it's coming up here in just a couple of moments.